Welcome back, everyone, to 101 Questions That Church Planters Ask. I'm your host, Danny Parmalee, and today we have a special guest with us, Daniel Yang, who's the executive director. Is that your right title? Executive director uh, of... Director. 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 Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll call you executive director. I mean, you're, uh, you're an okay. executive. You do, you do a lot. So Maybe you know the, something I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of the SEND Institute. And today we're going to be answering the question, should I become duly affiliated or having, you know, multiple affiliations, multiple networks as a church plant. And maybe kind of we'll start off by just, um, well, actually, Daniel, why don't you share just a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do and what the Send Institute is? Sure. Yep. Uh, So I lead the Send Institute here, uh, office out of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. It's a partnership between the North American Mission Board. So speaking of affiliation, uh, it's a partnership between two entities, North American Mission Board and the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Uh, prior to that, I was a church planner in Toronto. We planted a church that planted a few other, other churches. Um, I'm also currently doing a PhD in intercultural studies at Trinity. Um, and really, um, man, I just love seeing people uh, take their next steps in this journey of being a missionary uh, for the kingdom of God. And so that's how I try to live my life and uh, hope to inspire those others to do the same. So thanks for having me on, Danny. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so let's talk about this. Before we talk about dual affiliation, just affiliation mm-hmm. in general, I think it's becoming less and less common for church planners to just go totally independent. But I just, I I honestly cannot see a reason to plant alone these days. I mean, there's yeah. just multiple organizations. So I don't know even if you have some stats for that, or if you were to even just say off the top of your head, if someone wanted to plant a church, what's the number of organizations or how have you even seen that? kind of change from what year did you uh, plant? And if you've seen that kind of like grow sure. over the years. Yeah, I think the 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 decades where we saw a lot of non-denominational church planting probably was late 80s, 90s, uh, and maybe early 2000s. So about that 20 year, year uh, span. Part of it is prior to that, denominations still had a strong uh, uh, emphasis. They still had, um, you know, probably up until about the 60s or 70s, they had a really good reputation. Uh, you know, once you get to the 1780s, that's where the uh, reputation for denominations started to decline a little bit. Uh, and that's especially mainline because they started losing a lot of people. Uh, and, and then that's where you get a lot of the Gen Xers that were uh, form, former disgruntled youth pastors that, you know, planted their churches and then started all these other non-denominational networks like, you know, Acts 29 or ARC or whatever. Uh, a lot of these uh, uh, leaders that started these networks were probably loosely affiliated or uh, non-denominationally uh, planting, and their networks began to reflect a little bit of their own background uh, as well. That's not to say that all the networks that emerged during that time were um, were not denominationally affiliated, but it's interesting because later the denominations started to learn from the multi or interdenominational networks and started copy, not copying, but learning and adapting some of the things that they saw from those networks. And they started developing like... Uh, denominationally, uh, uh, you know, affiliated networks. And so I think really, um, uh, right now, I think you're right. I don't know if, um, it is become, you know, as attractive to be that, um, maverick, you know, out there on their own, whether it's a male or female, you know, getting at it on their own, because there's just so much uh, more resources and camaraderie that comes with, uh, planting with the network or denomination. And I just think that over 40 years of church planting systems, uh, they've gotten a lot better. And so church planters feel more supported. And, you know, I've, I've never I never knew this narrative, but I know when I talked to some of the uh, church planters who planted in 80s and 90s, I knew that for a lot of them, they planted it because 
Um, it wasn't because church planting was a cool thing. It was because in some ways they couldn't get hired by another church or they felt like that rogue missionary that didn't fit in with their with their group. Yeah, that's great. You, you point out something that I think is really important where you were talking about denominationalism uh, kind of, I don't want to say dying out, but from a cultural perspective, congregation members used to be like, okay, I grew up Methodist. So if I move to a new town, I'm going to look for a Methodist church or if sure. I grew up Baptist. And when you started to have that decrease, then there was less of a reason for a church planner to say, hey, I'm affiliated you know, with this group. And so they kind of went, it, went, went alone, kind of did the whole, you know, uh, maverick, cowboy uh, type of thing. Um, but now there are just so many different resources that it goes beyond just kind of that name recognition. And most uh, church, um, you, you know, uh, church people that are looking for a church, they're not looking for those denominational things. And a sure. lot of the networks aren't requiring you to you know, say the name, you know, that you're a part of, even if they are actually yeah. denominationally uh, kind of affiliated. So, so I agree with you. I, I just remember when I, so 2004, uh, kind of starting that journey, there didn't seem to be as many denominations. Now you go to an exponential and it's literally halls <laughs> of right. just all of the different networks uh, to be able uh, to do that. So I actually want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, I hate the term, I hated the term as a lead pastor, church shopping. Mm. Um, but is there, is there such a thing as affiliation or network shopping? You know, I think I know the answer to that question, sure. but I don't know if you yeah. want to speak to that at all. Well, you know, let me, let me just tell you, Danny, uh, I just did a webinar last week with a guy named, uh, Len Tang and Len leads the church planning initiative out of Fuller Seminary. And they just developed, uh, an online portal called plantermatch.org. That is, which these are his words. Uh, they made it to be the e-harmony uh, of yes. church planters. And so uh, so there is a thing. There is a thing as affiliation uh, shopping or network shopping. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. <clears throat> I think it's important for uh, somebody who feels like God's given them a dream, a missionary dream, to find the support network that um, you know best fits them in their philosophy of ministry. I do think some of the things that we do need to be careful of, and this is kind of hearkening to what you were saying about uh, church membership and, and you know church shopping, is that uh, I do think planters have a, should have a, a sense of personal integrity to be transparent about all of the networks that they are in relationship with. And by and large, I think most church planters uh, do. You know, they're very clear about you know this is my first affiliation and this this is my secondary affiliation. Um, I think, you know, some of the things that do concern me sometimes, and really it's this, it boils down to uh, a person who feels like this is this particular network can give me more money. And yeah. so I'm, I'm going to uh, be, you know, uh, with them for three years. That doesn't happen a lot. But you and I know people yeah. that we could name that that does happen. And so those are the things that do kind of concern me because when you find a network or a, a denomination, it should in a way feel like this is a little bit of a family for you. It should feel like a family. You know, this is your first line of defense for uh, your your the care for your family. And a lot of times, uh, especially if maybe you don't necessarily have a ascending church right out the gate. And then uh, secondly, is uh, there's a, there should be a mission and a history about that network or denomination that you feel proud to promote, that you feel like you are a part of, uh, you know, the next line in the legacy of this movement. 
because ultimately it's, it's not about one particular church, one particular uh, 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 church planter. It really is the move of God that God is doing. And God moves in multiple streams and multiple networks. And so a planter should feel pretty comfortable that they're continuing on the legacy of that movement. That's great. One of the things that you said, because I just I so agree with this, that um, if you're a planter and you're shopping from a very consumeristic, what can I get? You will probably get yourself in some trouble if you're especially <laughs> if you're shopping just for money. Who's going to give mm-hmm. me the most money? You know, the most uh, grants. And I remember even Emily and I, as we were discerning that there was an organization that gave about double than um, than what we were expecting from the mm-hmm. from Converge, the group that, you know, that we ended up planting with. She's like, I think I want to be part of that denomination. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hold on a second. Here's a few theological uh, things. And the other thing is you use the word family. Uh, sometimes I use the word a uh, tribe. Uh, both, mm-hmm. I think, are really good. But encouraging church planners say, pick a tribe that you want to run with long term. So mm-hmm. again, not just mm-hmm. who's going to give me the most amount of money, the least amount that I need to give back to them over in the next three years. But if you're to kind of kind of peer into the future, who's the group of people like, yes, I want to be around this group of people. And not only what can I get uh, from them, but what can I give? Are, are there going to be opportunities right. for you to have platform, for you to be able to use you know, your gifts and abilities to kind of, um, you know, feed into the movement instead of just uh, what are the different things uh, that you can uh, get from it. So the other thing that I want you to talk about a little bit that you said is primary and secondary, uh, because, you know, we haven't even really hit the question, um, you know, head on. First of all, maybe I'll just say this. I think it's totally okay to be single affiliated. There's, There's maybe even some advantage to that. So you have a group, maybe you have a history with them, maybe you have, um, you know, you're just really in love with the mission and what what they're doing, and that's where you want to put all of your eggs in that basket. I think that is a a great thing, but it leads us to the second question. Well, what if there are kind of two of them, and I can't really pick, and they're kind of offering maybe some similar things, but you had mentioned primary and secondary. Mm-hmm. Speak to that a little bit more. Sure. So if I'm planting denominationally, I would typically consider my denomination as my primary affiliation. And and the reason for that is it's usually your denomination uh, that is theologically aligned with what you're you're affiliating with. They also probably provide in some ways the credentialing uh, process that you need. Uh, um, You know, again, you you may plant uh, in a very autonomous fashion where you're not ordained or you're not uh, even, uh, you know, certified to be, uh, you know, uh, a clergy for tax purposes. But for most planters, um, you know, they are looking for a credential pathway to be a pastor planter. And that usually is going to be probably a denomination or a denomination-like structure. Uh, And so theology is a big part of that. We're not even talking about money at that point. We're just talking Mm -hmm. about like, I feel like this is the uh, movement that God has used to shape me theologically, to shape me uh, in terms of tradition, uh, you know. And so you're you're not going to be uh, somebody who is planting a church that does immersion only, uh, but then you want to plant with the PCA, right? I mean, it just right. there is a, a continuity between the tradition and then the the expression of church that you have. So that's what I would consider to be your primary affiliation, because at the end of the day. Uh, for for many, maybe not everybody, but for many, uh, this would be the agency that holds your credentialing, and so um, and and I think that's important because uh, you you know as much as what we're doing is a spiritual 
kingdom oriented uh, endeavor, there's also, you know, legal responsibilities. Um, and not every structure is like the Southern Baptists or, or Baptist structures. Many, many uh, church, uh, church plants still have a bit of a hierarchical structure that they have to work inside of. Uh, and then in terms of your secondary uh, affiliation, I think this sometimes tends to be uh, networks that are uh, um, philosophically aligned. And mm-hmm. so uh, they might be a little bit more focused on, you know, missional churches, or they may be a little bit more focused on, uh, you know, urban churches or rural churches for that matter. But you know that there's an affinity base, there's a philosophical uh, um, uh, uh, commonality between what God's called you to do and what that network is doing. And they feel a sense of um, uh, accountability to you, but not maybe not in the same way that a denomination would. I, th- I think what what becomes almost difficult in almost you know very few situations would allow for a church planter to affiliate dually with two denominations. I know yeah. I know it happens, but it's a very special arrangement at times, and uh, those relationships are made very clear. And in some ways, those denominations are probably pretty compatible uh, in some ways. Yeah. Um, but largely, that second affiliation is probably a network of relationships, uh, and it, they're probably not going to credential you. Uh, and then probably uh, you may, in some ways, give back to that network, but it's probably not going to be at the same level or or commitment that you would with your first affiliation. Yeah, that's great. I think even just some examples. So, um, you know, being part of Converge, especially when um, Acts 29 was new, we had a number of our church plants that were sure. dual affiliated in that way because, you know, a majority of their funding and their long-term commitments were all kind of connected to converge as their primary acts 29 became kind of their secondary because it was exactly what you were saying there's kind of that philosophical kind of that mm-hmm. you know like hey this is this is who we identify yes we wear plaid and smoke cigars and <laughs> are reformed and you know okay maybe i maybe i joke a little bit too much that was there, the early so. 2000s that, the early, yes, that uh, was the yeah. early 2000s yeah uh, and and also to that point and this is this helps to kind of draw this point out is that acts 29 is functioning more like a denomination than they were before. And by that, I just mean the amount of structures and requirements. So it's actually um, a little bit harder to dual affiliate sure. now. Um, and, and and again, just not, nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that that's how they've kind of grown and ma- matured. Um, and then you've got other examples of networks like New Thing, where it's like, yes, they want you to maybe have your primary and that they're a secondary because they're looking you know, very specifically within like a city uh, mm-hmm. regional context to be able to do that, sir. So I think that's one of the great things for church planters to really evaluate, to see what are some of those requirements and at what point does it uh, have a diminishing return to it? And that's yeah. where I've seen some planters get in trouble where they um, you know, dual or triple affiliate and each group is expecting something back. So you had yeah. mentioned giving or we expect you to be at these monthly meetings. We expect you... Um, you know, to uh, come to these conferences. And pretty soon the church planter is just sending money at conferences and at pastor meetings all week long. And they're not even doing ministry anymore. They're just trying to keep all these relationships mm-hmm. kind of going. So that's mm-hmm. where they just have to um, kind of uh, have some, you know, some evaluation if there's diminishing return. Uh, yeah. The other thing is um, having networks or having the church planner make sure, and you had alluded to this earlier on, that there's communication 
between mm-hmm. the primary and the secondary. So I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit or what that might look like or why that is so helpful. Sure. Yeah, and I think in some ways this is primarily the church planter's responsibility to be clear. Uh, this is in some ways a, a matter of integrity uh, that if you're planting um, with a denomination that first and foremost, your 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 um, your commitment to them should probably be at a, a level that you and they are both comfortable with. So if you either one of you have unmet expectations or unrealistic expectations, then I think that's that that could be difficult. Uh, and then I think in some ways also uh, you have to be able to 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 um, to to verbalize to your denomination your commitment level to the secondary network. Because I, you mm-hmm. know, all denominations we know for mo- for the most part that their planters may affiliate with uh, secondary networks, and so it's not a matter of if; it's just a matter of how. Is that happening? And for the most part, most denominational leaders, I mean, you 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 work for a denomination, I, I work for denomination, we're all for that. And we mm-hmm. we just we really celebrate that because we know that no one entity can be all things to everyone. And so um, but at the same time, you know, you just have a, a clear set of expectations so that, you know, uh, how, number one, not to do too much. Uh, to overwhelm the church planter, but also number two, uh, you do also, there's a sense in which you want church planters to be able to give back, you know, not necessarily just financially, but time, emotional, coaching wise, uh, back into their own, um, into their own family. And that's just, you know, in some ways, that's the oikos system that uh, the church is built around. And, uh, you you know, that doesn't, that's not too different from the denomination as well. But I'll, I'll tell you probably, Danny, the, the thing that's probably most important in terms of church planter transparency I think uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, it has to come down to a genuine sense, which which you feel like God has actually led you into a relationship. I I don't want to hyper spiritualize it. I I don't want to make it you know sound so mystical. Um, but you know, I I know uh, uh, planters who um, maybe are less prayerful about these decisions. It's mm-hmm. a very pragmatic transaction. And I do think that uh, in some ways God will call you uh, to affiliate or to partner with certain entities, and you should feel a level of conviction. Uh, and I think as long as you feel that level of conviction, then you can truthfully talk to you know all of the entities involved in a way that is you know with with a clarity of conscience and integrity. And I think that's it's important for you to know what it is that God has called you to, and why why is it that tribe. So that you don't um, end up being, you know, three, four down, years down the road, uh, and uh, having questions of, you know, why did I make that decision? So I think mm-hmm. that's really important to feel the the call of God in your life. That's absolutely amazing. I love that, uh, Daniel. If people want to uh, read some more of your stuff, I know you've got some blog. Why don't you just share how people sure. can uh, find find you and uh, find some of your stuff that you uh, that you have written? Yep. So, I mean, all of all of the stuff that we're writing and research uh, is at sendinstitute.org. Um, uh, Ed and I do a podcast called setsyourleadership.com, uh, and that's something that we uh, started in the midst of COVID. And then Peyton Jones also, uh, he and I have a podcast at Exponential called Frontline. So, yeah, either of those three outlets. Awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And remember, if you have questions, you can head over to the blog at churchplantersask.com. And until next time, keep asking those questions.